our rock and our fortress, we come to find sanctuary in the shelter of your presence. In you we seek refuge. Faithful God, incline your ear to our worship and set your face to shine upon us. In you we seek refuge. Our times are in your hands. Lead us and guide us by your steadfast love. In you we find refuge. Now our first hymn is one of those which turns out not to be ever so well known. I've known it for 20 years, so I just kind of thought that as it's an Iona one, everybody in Scotland would know it, but they don't. So the choir will sing the first verse, and if you do know it, please join in with them, and then everybody will join in from the second verse. The love of God comes close. prayers from Christian Aid, uh, one for the 60th anniversary of Christian Aid Week and one from 1958. And as is our usual practice, at the end of those prayers, we will join together in the Lord's Prayer. 
in the language and version we know best. So let us pray together. As a diamond catches the light and refracts it into kaleidoscope of colours, we give thanks, O God, for the myriad acts of kindness, generosity and love over six decades of Christian Aid Week. For the willingness of collectors, for the generosity of neighbours, for the donation of cakes, books and works of art, for the concerts, recitals and dramatic performances, for the walks, cycles and sponsored swims, for bowls of soup, pots of coffee and cups of tea, for posters, bunting and banners displayed, for the heads and hearts that have been changed, for the prayers spoken and campaign postcards signed, for the acts of worship and the stories shared, for the calls for justice challenging the causes of poverty and for the millions of envelopes weighted with coins or light with notes, for the checks and the texts to donate, we must give you thanks. Most of all, we give thanks for millions of lives transformed so that together we may all flourish. And from 1958. O Holy Spirit of love, quicken our imaginations that we may feel more deeply for the needs of others as we put ourselves in their place. Give us hearts of self-forgetting compassion, which will move us to give from that which you have given us. And to be good neighbours to those both near and far, for the sake of him who taught us that it is more blessed to give than to receive. Even Jesus, our Lord, who taught us when we pray to say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory
My name is Theodor Davidovich, and I come from Serbia. I was orphaned when I was eight. I left school and was given in service to the rich man, where I served from 12 till I was 16. When the war broke out, I got my freedom from the slavery. I fought in a resistance movement against Germany. My brother was on a communist side and I was in the royalist side. After the Germans capitulated, the two sides started fighting for the supremacy to rule the country. I was a refugee when I left the country and I was in camps like you see now in Lebanon and Syria, tents for two and a half years, from one city to another, from one country to another too. It was the Christians that sent the parcels, the same as it happened now, you know, and I never forgot it. And I feel I owe my life to the cause to Christian aid. I vowed there and then to do my best as long as I live. And that's why I volunteered to go and collect for Christian aid. And I appeal to all the Christians, your Christianity is not only to come and pray and sing hymns, is to put your beliefs in action, helping somebody that needs your help. You know, I'm on my way out. God gave me strength to carry on so far, and he has a plans for me.
to sing again, and this is an old one that I really do hope you know. Although the words have been slightly changed to make the language a bit more inclusive than it was in the original. A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you. reading is from Acts chapter 17, verse 22 to 31. Paul stood up in front of the city council and said, I see that in every way you Athenians are very religious. For as I walked through your city and looked at the places where you worship, I found an altar on which is written, To an unknown God. That which you worship then even though you do not know it, is what I now proclaim to you. God who made the world and everything in it is Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in man-made temples. Nor does he need anything that we can supply by working for him, since it is himself who gives life and breath and everything else to everyone. From one man he created all races of mankind and made them live throughout the whole earth. He himself fixed beforehand the exact times and the limits of the places where they would live. He did this so that they would look for him and perhaps find him as they felt about for him. Yet God is actually not far from any one of us, as someone has said, in him we live and move and exist. It as, as some of your poets have said, we too are his children. Since we are God's children, we should not suppose that his nature is anything like an image of gold or silver <coughs> or stone shaped by the art and skill of man. God has overlooked the times when people did not know him. But now he commands all of them, everywhere to turn away from their evil ways, for he has fixed a day in which he will judge the whole world with justice by means of a man he has chosen. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising that man from death. 
Our second reading is from Psalm 66, verses 8 to 14. Praise our God, all nations. Let your praise be heard. He has kept us alive and has not allowed us to fall. You have put us to the test, God. As silver is purified by fire, so you have tested us. You let us fall into a trap and place heavy burdens on our backs. You let our enemies trample over us. We went through fire and flood, but now you have brought us to a place of safety. I will bring burnt offerings to your house. I will offer you what I promised. When I was in trouble, (coughs) I will offer sheep to be burned on the altar. Amen. And our third reading is from John chapter 15, verses 9 to 14. I love you just as the Father loves me. Remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love one another just as I love you. The greatest love a person can have for his friends is to give his life for them. And you are my friends if you do what I command you. of John's Gospel, Jesus and Peter go for a walk along the shore of Galilee, where in the course of conversation, Peter is asked by Jesus three times, do you love me more than these? And it's a question that continues to occupy the minds of theologians and ordinary Christians alike as they try to work out just what that question meant. What does Jesus mean by these Is, he asking, as some have claimed, out of these disciples, are you the one who loves me the most, the one who loves me the best? 
Is he asking him, do you love me more than you love these other disciples? Or is he asking him, do you love me more than everyone or everything? Those who are here on Easter Sunday will know which I lean to as the answer of that one. I believe it is the question, do you love me more than anyone or anything in the whole wide world? And Peter, having said to Jesus, yes, I do love you like this, is commanded as evidence of that love to care for Christ's sheep and lambs. And so comes a choice. Will he accept the command? Or will he just turn and walk away? I was reminded of that encounter when I was pondering the words we heard from John 15. Love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. So will Peter choose the path of a life spent in the service of Christ, a life expended for his friends and for others, or will he look after number one? Well, I guess scripture and history answer that one. But what about us? According to Jesus, the whole law and the prophets can be summed up in two commands that are really easy to remember. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul and all your strength. And love your neighbour as you love yourself. Well, we know those. We've heard them lots of times. But what do we actually choose to do in response to them? Not necessarily a straightforward yes or no, all or nothing. But do we, by default, drift into a middle course, a kind of half-hearted, easy, not-too-demanding love for God and for our neighbour? A half-hearted love that's, well, when it's convenient, as long as it doesn't interfere with our own plans and our own desires. But that isn't the way that Jesus loves. Or do we neglect to love and value ourselves? Overworking, filling our time with stuff to do rather than space to be squeezing out time and space for devotional practices and for fun activities? These are questions I think we will all need to take a lifetime trying to answer and probably never answer successfully. But I think we need to keep on asking them. I certainly do. Because as I have reflected this week... I have been pulled up in thinking about how I love, my love for God, my love for others, and yes, my love for myself. When the Apostle Paul arrived in Athens, he encountered a culture that shocked him, 
and people who couldn't understand the message he was trying to bring. Brought to the Areopagus, he was given a unique opportunity to spend, and he didn't waste it. He recognised in his hearers an intrinsic spirituality and a willingness to hear him out. And so he set out his case for the unknown God in whom we live and move and have our being, the unknown God of whom we are all offspring. And so if we are God's offspring, God's children, then surely it should inform and transform the way we live. Past ignorance, Paul asserts, is overlooked by God. But once knowledge and understanding come, there has to be repentance. As it was then, so it is now. The trouble is, repentance isn't a popular word. And it's a concept that is often misunderstood and therefore either trivialised or ignored. Too easily, repentance is reduced to a sense or a regret, uh, sorry, a sense of regret or of remorse for some specific thing that we've done or has been done. And once an apology, however insincere, has been made, that's the end of it. Repentance is a word that I hear a bit in the, in the news, and I'm not sure it means repentance. But this parody of repentance is something I see in some kinds of Christianity. You pray a prayer of repentance, you're assured you're pardoned, you're given your ticket to eternal life in heaven, and you can just carry on pretty much as before. It's a parody, not least because it is totally centred on the self. My forgiveness, my destiny, my desires, and meanwhile the world can go to hell in a handcart. At the other extreme, repentance is ignored or avoided because of the associated concept of judgment, of being accountable for the choices made and the lives lived. And for some people, the idea of judgment is too disquieting. Let's just think about a God who's loving and merciful and let's just ignore the scary bits. We don't want a God who will ask us what we did with the skills and abilities entrusted to us, the opportunities afforded to us. Some see judgment in a very courtroom way, that as long as you pass, you're okay, and if you fail, you're sent to hell forever. But there's a sermon in a book by Susan Howitch, which is a real sermon about sheepdog trials, and I wish I could remember it exactly. But a sheepdog trial has a judge. And the judge isn't pass or fail, isn't win or lose, isn't heaven or hell. The judge looks and assesses how the dog does and the person who works with the dog and encourages them and says, well done. And yeah, okay, somebody wins the trial, I get that. But it's not that everybody else is useless. I think judgment that God offers us is just that simple, well, what did you do with your life? And even if God's disappointed in us, I don't think that God will abandon us. But repentance is a lot more than just regret or sorrow, and it's not negative. 
Repentance is a constant choice, conscious choice to be different, to do different. It's costly, it's difficult, and it's an honest endeavour to respond to the commands of Jesus, to follow in his footsteps, to love others as we love ourselves, to want for others that which we would choose for ourselves. For 60 years, the organisation we know as Christian Aid has modelled for us what that means. Living a life of faith in Christ who offers free forgiveness for past failings, faults and ignorance and in return expects a transformation in our hearts, minds, attitudes and actions. Love for God, love for neighbour, love for self Love for one another within the church. Love for the least and the lost. Love that is costly and self-emptying, literally or metaphorically. Love that leads to lives expended in the service of others. The familiar words of the parable recorded in Matthew 25. I was hungry and you fed me. Naked and you clothed me, sick or in prison, and you visited me. Seeing Christ in the stranger, in the refugee or asylum seeker, the Muslim child or the atheist adult. Valuing the planet, which is home to all human and animal life, enough to campaign and work for its care. Fair trade, tax justice, advocacy. Healthcare. The list goes on and on and on. If the Apostle Paul came to visit Glasgow and stood in George Square, I wonder what he would see and what he might say to us. Or if Jesus walked with any of us along the Clyde walkway or the Kelvin walkway, and asked us tough questions. How might we respond? At one level, Christian Aid Week is an opportunity for us to salve our consciences, just a few pounds in an envelope to support work undertaken by others. But at another, it is an opportunity to pause for thought, to recognise the ways we've fallen short of our own intentions or expectations to admit them, name them, confess them to ourselves and to God. And then to repent, to try again to live out the values we claim to hold. Jesus said, I give you a new commandment by which others will know that you are my disciples. Love one another. To love God, to love our neighbours, to love one another. These are the commandments Jesus makes and the values Christian aid lives out. The choice for us is not simply will we accept them, do we agree with them, do they seem to make sense to us? Rather, the choice is to what extent will we obey them? To what extent will these attitudes and actions of love 
become part of our lives. Beauty for brokenness, hope for despair. Lord, in the suffering, this is our prayer.
today we are going to pray with our eyes open using images, actions and song to express our intercessions. The uh, song response is on the sheets but it will also appear on the screen and there will be images appearing on the screen. You will have found on your seat hopefully a piece of red thread which um, you are invited to use as we pray together. So take the piece of red wool in your hands as we pray. You will be invited to tie knots in it to symbolise specific prayers and then to share in our sung response. We listen to this quote from Roberta Cohen. Picture what it would be like for you if you had to flee from your home because of an imminent threat or because you were being forced out at gunpoint on ethnic, political, religious or racial grounds or because you got caught in the middle of a civil war or a natural disaster. You couldn't take any of your belongings with you you would probably be separated, at least temporarily, from your husband, partner, children, whoever is close to you. In fact, the pillars that make up your life would be pretty much gone, pretty much in a flash. What would you feel? Anyone who has ever felt desperate for help or dependent on somebody else for help, even for a day, will understand what it is to be a refugee or an internally displaced person. We give thanks for 60 years of Christian aid and tie the first knot in our red wool. What shoes would you wear if you had to walk a long distance to find a safe place to call home? Many refugees have had to make arduous journeys for days, weeks and months over mountains that would put even the best hiking boots to the test. Noor describes the journey he and his family took from Afghanistan. The journey was very hard. We spent two months on the road. We were in the mountains and it was very hard to climb with the babies. There was snow, rain. We didn't have anywhere to sleep. It was very hard. We didn't eat. Any food we had We gave it to Sude, one of the children who was sick. 
In Iran, it was harder walking in the sand. We were walking with our babies. Our feet were injured from walking for hours. Tie a knot to pray for Noor's family and for all who make difficult journeys in search of a safe place to call home. Imagine you had to leave home with just what you could carry. Perhaps precious photographs or other keepsakes. Now imagine you had to throw them all away. Samira travelled from Syria to Greece with her sister who has additional needs and her two children. She says, everything went in the water. We threw everything. We were throwing our bags. Everything. So not to be drowned, we threw everything. And so they could bring more people in the small boat. They said, your life or your bags... So we threw the bags. I arrived in Europe with just my identity. What we wear is what we have. Tie a knot to pray for Samira, her family and others seeking refuge. Imagine that you had to clear out all your savings to pay for a journey, not even knowing if you would survive. For many refugees, the first time they ever see the sea is when they get into a boat. Arash is a refugee from Afghanistan now living in Greece, where he serves as an interpreter for NGOs. He says, In Afghanistan, we don't have sea or rivers, not even small rivers. This is a big river, but on a plastic boat you sit down 
and you have about 30 people with your family and you go on this big journey for the first time and you don't know if you will reach the other side or not. You have to be in a very difficult situation to get on this boat. If I paid you 100,000 euros, would you get on this boat to Greece? I ask you. Nobody would do. But maybe they are in a difficult situation to come this way. It's not an easy way to come. And you don't know if you will reach land or not. Pray that the work of traffickers will be stopped and that those seeking refuge will be provided safe passage. Give thanks and pray for Arash and all who are helping refugees as you tie a knot in your piece of wool. This tent is now your home. You're told you cannot go anywhere and no one can say how long you must stay here. Fortini coordinates the Orthodox Christian Charities Apostoli work on the island of Samos. She's well respected by the refugees she worked with as well as by Greek residents on Samos. The local population is struggling because of the economic crisis. So Fortini has led a project that supports both refugees and local Greek families. This is something international agencies have struggled to do. Pray for Fortini and for Apostoli as it helps those seeking refuge in Greece. And as you pray, tie a knot in your red wool. Rooney, a Christian aid staff worker, shares this story. When Ruhia sits down to share her story, she does so clutching a red wallet. As she talks, she sobs, grief-stricken, and opens the wallet. From it, she removes two small photographs, a boy and a girl. They were her children, killed by the Taliban. The horrifying details of the brutality she experienced have deeply moved Christian aid staff. 
a person's pain cannot be measured. Yet the hours I spent with Riha revealed a depth of pain and suffering that I have not before witnessed. It staggers me that the human heart can hold such pain and survive. Tie another knot in your wool as you pray for Ruiha and all refugees living with the deep grief and trauma of torture. Pray for comfort and for healing. are your hopes and dreams? What green shoots are there that need careful nurture to blossom and flourish? Parvina, whose name means butterfly, and her family fled from Afghanistan. She dreams of becoming a model in Paris and chooses to call herself by that name. Faraidun was studying engineering before he became a refugee. He says, every single person here is hoping that one day the borders will open and everybody will be able to go to the places they want to. Every person loves their country and I love mine too. I wouldn't come here if there wasn't war. Noor says, we still have some hope that one day we will get out of here and we have hope for our children's future. Our wish is to get out from this situation and to be able to go further. We only want a peaceful life. We want our children to have an education, to go to school. The most important thing is for our children not to stay like this, not being able to go to school. Pray for Paris, for Raidun, Noor, and others like them by tying a knot in your wool. Our final act of prayer is to tie all of our prayer cords together, end to end, symbolically joining our prayers with those of other people supporting Christian aid. After the service, the will will be gathered up and sent to Christian aid, who will add it to thousands of others, along with the petition, and send it on to our political leaders. We may live far apart and have widely different life experiences. 
but we share the most essential human needs. And when cut, we all bleed red. <coughs> Let's tie our cords together. And we continue our worship as we take up our offering for God's work in this place. let's pray. Loving God, we offer you our gifts of money for the work of this church and for the work of Christian aid. And with them, we offer ourselves afresh, our gifts and skills, our opportunities to speak and be good news in a world in need of healing, hope and love. Amen.
Our closing hymn is one we have sung, but maybe not for a while, and is one that has a cantor and response. Um, the sopranos and myself, and I think Sheila, are going to cantor, and everybody is going to join in. The choir have this well rehearsed, so I claim they may not. Um, but please do join in as you pick it up. Thanks, Sheila. Christian Aid Week and every week. Amen.